Brian Libby's show with me, Swim Dobson, and him, Tim Pan. Today we discuss, is voting a waste of time? Yes. Thank you, and good night. On second thoughts, Tim, uh, any comments before I wrap it up? Upon uh, that joke, I think there was some truth to that joke. It might entirely be a waste of time. Um, but I think a sort of further discussion of it is, considering the fact that I, and I think you vote, at least sometimes, at least at some places for some elections. Um, I, I first start with a waste of time in general. I'll start with a quote by Chesterton. As a politician, he will cry out that war is a waste of life. And then as a philosopher, that all of life is a waste of time. So, I mean, first of all, you have to say that life is worth living. If you think life is worth living and time is valuable, um, do you think it's pertinent to allocate your time to this action, uh, allocate your scarce time to this action? And my opinion is, well, first of all, it's really only cost me five minutes. As far as getting to the polling place, it only really cost me 20, 25 minute walk or a two minute drive. Again, most paleos, trads, libs, environmentalists, etc. don't have any problem with taking walks. I'd listen to a podcast, music, or nothing, think about things. Uh, it's a nice walk. I'd take the walk anyway. Or I could drive, stick it to the greens. It's fun taking short drives, stick it to the greens. I like driving. So, I mean, that there are that sort of idea, well, you might get into a car accident driving to vote. Is that worth it? Well, you might get hit by a car crossing the street. Okay, those are things. But those are just sort of general risks that... You know, I'd probably doing something else that has equally low take choice. So as far as those things, like the cost of it is like five minutes. I never wait in lines. Um, you know, now that some DNC types would say, well, that's just, you know, blank supremacy. And, you know, you live in a less populated area and so forth. OK, um, I'm skeptical of that that seemed to be an organized thing anyway. Um, so but it's like two to five minutes. Uh, so the best argument against doing it. I think this is the, the sort of strong argument is that you're going along or you're endorsing you're, you're you're cooperating with evil. I mean, if you're an anarchist, of course, the government is a criminal organization, and by extension, the officials are that too. I mean, you want to you can try to make distinctions between like the mailman, or like uh, you know you can try to make distinctions between certain parts of the government, but uh, the, the the people who run to run, and you generally have to be moderately wealthy or at least connected to wealthy people to run we're not dealing with just you know some you know bottom-up democracy although although occasionally do random truck drivers and others try to win so maybe maybe it's not the case bartenders win aoc lol um but you should have to like you should have to want to do it and you gotta you gotta like you have to you know grease some palms to get elected so so and again if the state is a criminal organization the leaders of the state would be the criminals um, um, now, again, you could say the deep state's in charge and that the elected officials actually don't have much control over it. And they're sort of like, you know, as JFK supposedly said to all, all of us on reports is that, that, you know, JFK supposedly told Charles de Gaulle that he doesn't know who's in charge of this government. Um, so maybe maybe the elected officials are just sort of like abstractly not endorsed. You know, now Thomas Massey had this problem where he, he actually voted for one of the covid bills. And in his interview with Michael Malice, he said, well, he thought that. You know, he thought he was, his argument was, well, I voted along with it because I was I was concerned that they were actually going to have a, a worse bill that was in thing. And I had some control over it if I went along with it to, to try to cut out some of the worst things. But on hindsight, he said, I think he said, if I said recall correctly, he said that he thought it was a mistake to go along. With it. Like Ron Paul's famous for voting against everything in office. Um, so and again, as Chomsky, Hoppe and Keith Preston all point out, that's a variety of perspectives. Almost all U.S. presidents are boogeymen by most 
moral ethical standards. And again, everyone point to foreign government leaders, including UK. UK, UK used to have more influence, although you still have more influence than many UK people think you do. Look at Ukraine recently tried to do a psyop on a power plant, which was a false flag attempt, supposedly. Read Max Blumenthal's gray zone reports on it. Um, um, but, you know, and, and how was Germany, if like the Battle of Tannenberg and the Hundred Days Defense went differently, would probably be also a major world power and have similar things, I, I would say. So, like, you, know, you can imagine different contingent events and like all politicians are criminals in this sense. So should you go voting around them? Well, Walter Block has the argument of overseer A and overseer B. Overseer B to 20 times, overseer A B to 10 times. In this respect, it's self-defense. Of course, you should vote for overseer A. There's less harm. Um, the trouble is, with Walter Block's example, is usually it's more like, well, overseer A will beat me two less times, but he'll beat my neighbor four more times, and he might beat foreigners 10 more times. Like, so really the calculus, especially for the United States, and to a lesser extent, Britain, France, G Germany, Japan, um, um, but especially United States here, you think because of the foreign, the, the, the military presence, um, although people like Christopher Hitchens and a lot of, you know, Elizabeth Warren type liberals, they like the empire just as much as the so-called neocons do. If anything, they like it more. Um, so there's a foreign element to it. Like, so you're not, you're not merely, you might have a policy that's actually nicer domestically, but meaner abroad and so forth, so to speak. So I, I, I can just see Walter Block's argument, but I also can see it not. Um, and it seems that you really, um, like you might be able to justify voting, but do you want to? Like, you know, I'm very sympathetic to like the Anabaptist position, which is you just don't vote. Um, voting is a kind of cooperation with an evil. This sort of comes from more tyrannical, historical, thicker states in a sense. Like, I mean, like, I'll get... The modern state is large, and by extension, it's probably tyrannical. But it's not like the Roman state in that in the, in that respect, where it's obviously, um, you know, although it might go, trend in that direction anyway. But there is a sort of difference between modern imperialism and historical imperialism, like that the early church and then the Anabaptists dealing with um, various Lutheran and Catholic regimes did. So I'm very sympathetic to the idea of not voting. I'm very sympathetic. Um, and there's a few other points. I'm well aware. There's mathematical arguments to say it's pointless. I do live in a swing state. And I'm also well aware that there's arguments that say that, that the deep state's in charge. Voting is a kind of sham. The electronic voting is just picked in advance. I won't name any names. So I don't get, you know, some people got defamation lawsuits. Look at the my pillow guy for saying things. Um, um, so, I mean, again, cough, cough, blah, blah, blah. I'm well aware that, uh, you know, the voting, you might not even, your votes might not even count. It's all irrelevant. Um, so... Swithin, I think you vote sometimes. I vote sometimes. Um, why or not? Is it a waste of time? Are you endorsing and cooperating evil? What would be your your line of thinking on this topic, other than the joke to start, which I think has a lot of truth to it. You know, you might just be chewing gum or just you know taking a nap may actually be a better waste worth of your time. Swithin. Well, I have voted in the past and I do vote sometimes. Um, I do generally think that Walter Block's position of, um, you know, if you could choose a concentration camp guard, you know, would you choose the one that harmed you less? Well, yes. I mean, I, I think there's certainly uh, truth to that. Although your point about foreign um, situations is interesting. Um, 
I suppose what you could defend there, I suppose you could just take a general utilitarian calculus as to well, who's the worst overall and who's the best overall. Although I, I do think you could probably make a reasonable case that um, domestic policy is more important than um, foreign policy and take the domestic things more into account because that affects you. Uh, and even though you're sort of, you could argue materially cooperating with the politicians, I don't know, bomb Russia, for instance, or bomb Iran, I mean, you're very remotely doing so. And so you're not really culpable in any meaningful sense. So I think um, that's a possible uh, way of doing it. Although when it comes to foreign and domestic, um, I imagine Keith Preston might make the argument that actually, well, he would generally make the argument that foreign policy is more important than domestic, but also because foreign policy influences domestic policy. Um, there was a book, I don't remember who it was by, he appeared on the Tom Wood show and who basically said that a lot of modern policing tactics came out of the military. So it wasn't just the weaponry, it was just the way they did it, like the SWAT raids and stuff. And so you could make the case that, you know, whatever starts abroad ends up coming home. So that might change your calculus uh, to some extent. Now, then the question is, well, when do I vote and when don't I? I remember recently I couldn't be bothered because I was really busy and all I could vote for was the Tories, the Lib Dems and the Labour Party. Um, I would note, though, in most cases in the past, uh, in most recent times, I spoiled my ballot paper and I've gone down solely because they will count the fact that I spoiled it and I spoiled it deliberately. So in the past, I've written Democracy, the God that Failed by Hans Hopper. Uh, I've written other things like Beyond Democracy and just give book um, recommendations on there. The reason I say that is because Unlike in America, they're counted by hand because I've done it before. And if anyone does something weird on a ballot paper, then I read it. I remember. So I remember someone, for instance, adding the British National Party onto a voting list who previously well, who weren't standing. British National Party are kind of like a you know, traditional nationalist sort of party. Uh, in, but, um, they supported repatriation of immigrants, et cetera, that kind of thing. Uh, and that was added and was like, oh, OK, you know, I remembered that. Um, now, do, so then the question is, well, oh, also, I think as well as relevant here, although this doesn't come up as much, uh, more so in Switzerland, uh, is referenda, which is somewhat different because you're voting on for a uh, a particular policy, which in most cases you can't do. And so you would hope in many cases that at least one of the policies would at least be good as opposed to less bad. Um, so I, I think if you had some sort of moral consideration about voting as such a referendum would be a little different so for instance i do know some people who voted in the eu referendum who previously just don't don't vote in party politics they thought well this actually might make some difference because it was actually a specific um policy rather than an individual who could just change their mind um so the question then arises well is it um a waste of time um well it's 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 difficult to say it depends clearly it's more worthwhile doing when there are fewer people voting because you have proportionally more influence and so that might be better so this is this is sort of like pete canones etc you know vote on your local school board uh vote in your local elections so that well Canones' argument is so you can take them over 
and then you can just and then you can kind of take them out and use them for your own ends but that's something that you can do on a local level basically because you have more of a an influence and i can see that claim i think that's a, a potentially interesting one um when it comes to voting for the lesser of two evils um i've always thought that that in i've done it once but um in most cases the lesser of two evil vote i simply don't think is a very good strategic decision um because what it allows is the less bad party to continue to just be bad and there's no real pressure on them to change their positions it was only uh more radical parties for instance in the uk uh, the uk united kingdom independence party which got the eu on the table in the referendum because otherwise the tories simply wouldn't have bothered they only did it because they had a third party was taking votes away so they might lose so i actually think when you have sort of two candidates unless you can put your guy in and you can somehow win and then you're getting questions and more general ones like can you infiltrate the tory party to which the answer is yes if you're useless not if you're any good um that um that actually just voting for the last two just endorses them and it doesn't change anything so actually voting for a third party so in a way the in america the libertarian party although isn't great although another party could potentially be a useful thing because if it ended up meant meaning that a certain party lost typically the republicans then it might actually change their position because you'll get the libertarian party voters to vote for them eventually um so in that sense I think you could make a case for voting not being a waste of time. Tim, what do you think? Is it a waste of time based on that? Do you think you can make a difference? Make a difference, LOL. Um, I I think it depends on your opportunity cost, obviously. Like I, when I'm traveling, I, I don't bother voting at all. I don't bother. Um, so it's so when I'm home, yeah, I'll go out and do it. It's not... Um, now, as far as I think I did scribble, I did think in the general election here, I did scribble in the libertarian uh, selection um, on some of the things on the Senate races. No, um, because, again, in this sense, I'm not a declinist collapsist um, unless you're going for Graham Hancock. So the sort of argument that you just shouldn't care about it, like I do think on some level you shouldn't like follow the horse race day to day like the, uh, you know, uh, I think that's a. A vice, so to speak. I think that's not really a good thing to do. Um, um, but, 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 you know, it seems like there is some. Uh, I would say one of the dangers of third parties is, and this is, this is, this is the sort of danger here is that they, you could argue, you could argue that they sort of a legitimate the government, and b um, they actually can be dangerous because they break up the status quo. Um, it might have caused World War One uh, because Teddy Roosevelt started a third party um, in the in early 1900s called the Bull Moose Party, um, which which and then in the 19 I remember this 1914 election Woodrow Wilson won and I think one of the reasons he won his first term was because he took a lot of votes away from um, uh, he took a lot of votes away from uh, 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 the other Republican candidate. Uh, so you sort of effectively split it and you allowed the progressive Democrats to take charge. And then, you know, that's how you got the, you know, you started getting federal 
Federal Reserve and things like that. So um, <laughs> there's there is a danger to third parties. Um, and again, a lot of third party advocates sort of are aloof to this danger. But there is a sort of there's a sort of duopoly that exists in the United States between two parties, which, again, you could argue the Republicans are the, on the back shoe of this thing. Yeah, I totally, totally agree on that to a large, large extent. Um, although, although in the early 2000s, you could argue that they're the ones who prosecuted the Iraq war um, very much uh, gun holy in the Patriot, Patriot, Patriot Act and so forth. So, so, but there is a sort of balance of parity, parity there. And like, you know, there it, it's no surprise, speaking of voting systems, like you get the annoying people who say, well, we need ranked choice or we need more proportional. Uh, here in the United States, and for that matter in Britain, and this goes back to like our social, our McIntyre, Nick Land, Mark Fisher episode we did, is the United States has basically steered away from communists and fascists with capital C's and capital F's, um, and that's because the system is basically designed, ends up designing it has to have two two parties are basically in control. And see, this is again, this is a benefit for those who don't want the other team to win, <laughs> but you're stuck with this other crappy fake team so you know there's features and cons to everything um, with respect to the existing state again i'm i'm an anarchist in this in the philosophical sense so 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 i i like to me the walter block you know concentration camp guard example basically justifies me voting for the lesser of two evil but i do i do think one of the troubles is you do identify with the candidate like i think that's one of the dangers and I think this is the beauty of the, the Amish person where, well, you know, like, well, whether the Amish actually outwardly know the, 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 the strength of their position is a good question. But like by just not by identifying not with the, the state government, but by identifying with some other organization or, you know, identifying with the Christian church or identifying with uh, a certain movement, you sort of you have different sets of allegiances. Um and I think I think that's that's a feature which, you know, like so maybe maybe having, you know, let's say like random uh, Republican senators in Georgia and and Pennsylvania and and, uh, and and Colorado winning. So, you know, they can't pack the Supreme Courts. So vaccine mandates don't go down. Like in this sense, I think the accelerations are just wrong. I think I think there are key victories um, again. I think there are key controlling victories that are won from time to time. Um, now, whether they're won by the voters or whether they're won by like other types of elites, probably other types of elites. But in our system, we still need you still need the appearance of voters out there. So yeah, again, mathematical small thing. I agree, it's it's mathematically small. But as far as third parties, I, I think there's a opportunity and there's a danger to them. And I think the danger is is they do, they may upset it in a way you don't want to upset it. And and again, I am very suspicious of the Libertarian Party. I mean, I on some level, I view the Libertarian Party as a contradiction in terms, uh, like a, you know, considering that Libertarianism has a strong anarchist streak within it. Um, you know, so that would be my, that would be my point too. I don't, interestingly enough, I don't think the Green Party is as contradictory. They seem to have a set of goals um, interesting. Chris Cuthrone says that like one of the reasons they disqualified like the Socialist Party candidates in the 1900s in the United States was that they would run, but they would run as 
Um, they would run, they would say that there was a members organization. They wouldn't represent all their constituencies. They would just represent them as their closeted, like the tiny interest sect. So they're actually not really running. You need to run as Americans. You can't run as communist revolutionaries. So there's there's certain ways in which as much there's certain ways in which the existing apparatus will preclude third parties from doing things that they want to do most time. Now, again, maybe there's acceptance. So maybe libertarian parties playing a long game with the, with the big fat tail payoff. That's what they're playing. And uh, OK, I, I, you know, that might be worthwhile voting for them. Again, I, I think maybe as a throwaway vote, it's worthwhile putting on it. But I, I'd be suspicious of like what a Gary Johnson or Joe Jorgensen would even look like in office. Like that just seems like fairly far out. So if you have any comments on that. Like what? What do you think of voting for third parties? I think the 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 example you gave for the third party with um, Roosevelt, I think it was Roosevelt, um, is I suppose you can make the claim that well, if you'd had the third party earlier, then this might. What I would say is the third party is not there to win. I don't think in a first past the post system, the third party doesn't win. It just doesn't happen. I mean, occasionally in the UK parliamentary system, you might get um, a coalition. But basically, it's two parties. It's just the way it works. The goal of the third party is to change the policy of the policies of the other parties. That's what it's there for. Um, so with the um, Teddy Roosevelt's party, the Mooses, with the uh, Federal Reserve, if they'd started that early and had like an anti-Federal Reserve position, uh, assuming, and I don't know the history, it could well have been sprung on them, uh, that it wasn't really discussed beforehand. A bit like, for instance, um, in the UK, they've now got a commitment to end the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by 2030. Um, the original goal was to stop it by 2050. And this was um, ad- uh, announced out of absolutely nowhere following the 2017 election in which Theresa May beat Jeremy Corbyn. It was announced by Michael Gove. This had not appeared at all in any of the manifestos and we discussed it. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to start ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by 2050. And then it was slashed by 20 years. Um, so whether or not it was something like that with the Federal Reserve and it couldn't really been seen coming, I, I don't know. Um, but the, go- the goal of the parties to change the policies, the main was not to win. Um, that said, is a libertarian party really a good vehicle for that? That is a different question. Um, and. Uh, I don't actually think they're particularly that good. Um, and then, but that you then getting into libertarian infighting on certain positions, such so as general cultural issues and also um, immigration in particular, amongst other things, um, which actually relates interestingly, I think, to your point that one of the dangers that you can identify with the candidate uh, when you vote for elections. Uh, that's a problem. I mean, you end up. N- I mean, it's true of the Obama followers, but also of the MAGA types. It's like, no, we get the guy in and he'll sort stuff out. And he's our man and we'll defend him, even when he's wrong. A lot. And it's like, why are you doing that? What's the point? Um, and it ends up being somewhat tribal and you're, and you're defending like a, an individual. Uh, when in most cases, you don't know who, you don't really, you don't know them personally, you can't vouch for their sort of integrity. And oh, yeah, they may be wrong on here, but, you know, overall, we're a good guy. And so then it just ends up being my guy versus your guy, um, which uh, isn't, I don't think, very good for policy formation. Um, All that said, 
uh, and my defense of third party voting. The question is whether it makes that much difference is another question. So I, I raised the example of the UKIP forcing the EU referendum. This, I think, is a clear situation in which people vote for something and then the entire machinery of the political establishment goes into overdrive to prevent it from happening um, because it's not the right answer. And so they did as much as possible to stop it. But then uh, and then even when they decided they couldn't, the deal that was negotiated was essentially being in the EU, but not in name. I mean, functionally, was that, I mean, there was some more control over borders. That was it. But interestingly, um, rather than decide to cut immigration, which is a lot of um, uh, EU uh, anti-EU voters thought they were sort of voting for, um, they basically replaced the Poles with the Indians and the Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. Um, so functionally, has leaving the EU formally made that much difference to uh, the political order? Not yet, it doesn't seem. Now, I still think it has a long term advantage that we can now blame everything and there's n on Westminster and Westminster can't go, oh, well, no, the EU made us do it. So I do think that's an advantage. Um, but this is, I think, one of the most interesting points is even if you win, can you actually do anything? So even, for instance, if you took over local government, you've got all these functionaries who are invested in things like um net zero um more electric charging points cycle lanes not car lanes we must recycle everything uh, even when it makes no financial sense to do so you have these types who are running the permanent bureaucracies and even on a local level i don't even know even if you were to take control of a council whether you'd be able to get that much done because most of the legis most of the policy would seem to be is, is determined by the permanent members who happen to be the CEO of the local council, who is the paid employee rather than the political head. Um, it might stop it to some extent, but I, I'm, I doubt that they could do that much because what you need to do is to re basically replace the permanent bureaucracy. And unless you're basically going to take outside of the parameters of the current system, I simply don't see how you can do it. Um, and I think that I would say is one of the major issues with voting in general is, and this is alluded to before, the deep state or the permanent bureaucracy. Um, they, they're the ones who pull most of the strings and they're much more difficult to change. And, um, but the nature of the bureaucratic state is they have to exist anyway, uh, because it's a bureaucratic state. Um, that's it. I think you can change it to some extent. It was interesting in the UK. They were trying to pass an absolutely terrible education bill, which uh, would extend central government power over schools and also treat all home educators as if they were uh, criminally neglectful in their education of their own children, because if they didn't sign a compulsory register, they could be in principle prisoned, I think, ultimately, if they didn't comply with school attendance orders, etc. Now, the interesting thing was once uh, the anti-Boris Brigade got into action, uh, loads of ministers were, vote, were became, came in and then resigned quickly. So they went through about four education secretaries in about the space of a few weeks. I think it was four. It was loads. 
the interesting thing was the Department for Education basically said, we're not doing anything with this bill until we have an education secretary, which is interesting. This education bill was no way in, in couldn't even there's no reasonable way it could ever been been written by an education secretary because they kept changing. It was a highly detailed document. There's no way they did it. Who wrote it? The Department for Education, the Permanent Bureaucracy Project. But what they wanted was they wanted a um, an education secretary to be the formal head to basically give legitimacy to their bill because it was theirs. It wasn't wasn't the education secretaries or the Tory parties. It was the edu- it was the Department for Education's bill. Um, so maybe in that way you can influence them by not giving legitimacy to the things that they want to do. But again, this is a case of um, stopping what is um, being progressive with break on to a large extent. It's not ultimately changing. The question I think really is, can you genuinely alter the direction by voting? Uh, and that I am skeptical of, at least in the with the current um dispensation i think retrospectively you can look back in history and identify key elections um but again you're you're not like um you're not really changing in this this dispensation you're not really changing the state like the 1860 election in the united states was clearly relevant post hoc about who would win same with the 1912 election it's not every election in our the media will say this is the most important election of our lifetime lol this is like for the 10th time in you know i've been alive or something like that um so so it's not every election but i do think there are certain issues so to go against the people who just sort of drop out but again i'm not critical of the dropout type mentality with respect to elections like 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 it could be that and i think this is entirely correct it could be that our elections are basically no different than North Korean or Chinese elections. Um, so like the Chi- Chinese, I think, or every organization that people, uh, they ha- they have a giant body of a bunch of representatives there from the area, but they don't really have any much formal power. It could be that our, the functionally the Westminster and the U.S. Congress at this point is that thing anyway. Um, um, so 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 but then if that is the case then voting is neither harmful nor beneficial. So the people who want to make argument that the voting is harmful, well, it doesn't really change, you know, it doesn't really change anything um, um, it, it, because it's just the deep state in charge. It's just the permanent bureaucracy in charge. Um, um, so so in this respect, I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say here with respect to this. Like, like, is it a waste of time? I think it depends on your opportunity cost. Like, if you're, if if you're, you know, like this is like the sort of, you know, people dying, like the sort of like people dying in the. If your mother is drowning and you have a choice between voting and doing that, like there's certain obvious examples where voting is clearly a waste of time. But but as far as voting cooperating with evil, I think that's like on a sort of philosophical level, that's 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 the sort of most Puritan question. And I'd say the biggest disadvantage is you just didn't identify with the candidate. And I I mean, I had to sort of catch myself with respect to Trump. Like when I was in college when Trump was running, like I thought this was hilarious. Like I was I was in. I, I thought this was funny. I thought his rallies were funny and stuff like that. 
But then, you know, I, like, again, Trump has been terrible on all sorts of things. He still goes on about how wonderful the vaccines occasionally are. So, like, in this respect, you know, Trump didn't really end anything in respect. I mean, he didn't invade with a capital I any new countries. Although Aaron Maté and Max Blumenthal, they've sort of it, – it, it's questionable whether Hillary Clinton would have been better or worse. There is this sort of Russian invasion narrative that could have happened. Russia Hillary would have won. So, like, there is – there is there is problems and maybe the Alex Jones is talking about this. Maybe the reaction to Trump is actually worse and you better have just had, you know, Jeb Bush win in 2016. Um, so there's always there's always dangers to 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 actions. So it could be that you just should just stay home and, um, you know, read a book or take a walk, but don't take a walk at the polling place. I, I'm perfectly willing to do that. But like if, if the deep state is actually in charge, then you don't have any power anyway. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. I, I'm, I, I can, I can be convinced either way on this. So in this sense, I'm just agnostic on this. Swithin, any further comments on this? Like, I don't have much more else to say on this. The only argument would be then why you shouldn't vote. I think is that, okay, yes, we recognise that the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy, run things. But most people don't think they do. Most people in the elected officials do. And that's why they can do what they do, because they have democratic legitimacy. Therefore, what you should do is not vote, because in so doing, you remove the veneer of legitimacy and people see who's ruling them for what they are. At which point, because they're no longer seen as being democratic, because they're not. Well, democratic in the sense that people think things are democratic. Uh, then legitimacy goes down and then the influence of uh, the permanent bureaucracy then diminishes because people then start are more likely to not comply with his edicts. Let's take a good example of that. Um, let's say lockdowns. Let's suppose everyone decided, well, you have no legitimacy. We're just not going out. Well, then I suppose you could then say, well, they're going to put the troops out and then they're going to put the um, uh, the police out. And then, well, you know, can they do that everywhere? Well, no. I mean, they might get to a situation where they just have to change policy because no one's going to abide by them anymore. And to some extent, you could argue that's what really happened with some of the lockdowns. They got to a situation where they thought, well, we can't actually do this because it's going to be too difficult to enforce. Um, Although, I suppose then the thing is, well, if that happens, you know, you're going to get – you're going to get sort of breakdown of society and then you're going to get, you know – you know, failed state situation. So I suppose what you would want to do at the same time, I would say, on a strategic level, would be to twent to delegitimize the state to such an extent that you could realistically secede uh, to some extent, so that then you could have a new order somewhere else, which was separate, be- without first getting to the stage of basically a situation of a failed state. I suppose that would be theoretically the ideal. Whether that's achievable or not is another question. But as I say, the the argument against voting is if the if the numbers drop and the percentages drop really low, then it ceases to have legitimacy, and then you know stuff can change at that point. Well, well, I will say the mathematical and the mathematical uncertainty point. Um, the the, the fact that voting has you have a low probability of actually deciding the election here. South Park had a funny episode on this. Um, that also implies to you, like like in a sense, that also implies to you, um, with respect to you know 
convincing everyone else that like voting is a waste of time. Actually, I guess in this like you're just you know one person of 65 million or one person of 333 330 million. So there is a certain remoteness. Like neither strategy is particularly like pertinent. So so I. I guess if I have one opinion is that the grandstanders in favor and against voting are probably overstated. That if I had for one concluding mark with respect to that, is it like they, they, that you make too much of it? Um, but I do think I do think from time to time it is better to have Thomas Massey or Rand Paul than it is to have the Democrat there. I I, I, I don't I don't think I think that's relatively uncontroversial. Um, maybe you want to make the argument that they that they. Uh, uh, they don't uh, like they somehow le- they they legitimate this is the, in the Zizak Assange Horowitz conversation. This is the argument that that Assange made with respect to Obama when Horowitz was calling Obama communist and he was actually saying, well, actually Obama gives the U.S. government, but in lieu of his sort of perceived social acumen for certain things, not the right, but for like center left people, especially around the world. He gives them a kind of so they actually write off his legitimacy, not the other way around. So it could be that it's actually like it Rand Paul and Thomas Massey, and for that matter, for the left too, AOC, Bernie Sanders are the ones that are propping the state up. Because this is the thing about like when when candidates run, they generally run, especially in competitive quote unquote competitive areas or districts, they run as like the outsiders. They run as guys in sweatshirts or bartenders who, who you know, that's what they run. Now, whether they are that is a good question, whether this is just media doctrine. But the fact that they're running like this seems to suggest that, like, um, you know, the running as Jed Bush or Nancy Pelosi type is just would not win it unless you were already the incumbent. Um, so I, I'm I, I'm suspicious about the both sides of the grand standards. So, you know, and, and furthermore, as far as waste of time is concerned. This goes back to the opportunity cost. You know, if there was a choice between, like, if if you have something better to do, do it. But, like, don't go around saying that you do or don't. Like, I do think that I voting stickers, like, that, don't wear those. Definitely don't wear those. That that would be one my one dictum. Don't wear an I voted sticker. sticker. That would be my, my thing. Because, cause like, with, with respect to, like, you know, with, with, with Trump, for example, he didn't really do much of the stuff you... He wanted to do, and on the lockdown, he was actually probably worse. He could have been worse, for example. You know, and that, and that was one of the things that the libertarians actually got ahead of. Like the liberal libertarians actually initially were out front on that on that issue because Trump was actually more of the cheerleader. They've done that in their own way. But so so politicians are like they're like a very fraudulent good. Like you know, if you buy a TV, it has these things that says that it'll do this, this. As you buy a car, it says it does this and this. In general, they will do this and this, this. But, you know, politicians, even if the system works in this sort of idealistic way that that not as in the Machiavellian, Machiavellian, Burnin type deep state way, if it works in the idealistic way, politicians are notoriously, um, notoriously fraudulent in what they do in their campaign promise. This includes for the Democrats and left liberal types, too. They do not do uh, they do not do the climate change bill that they want. They do not do the. Uh, um, Medicare for all bill they won. Um, they did not do a harder lockdown, a Chinese style lockdown. So in that respect, you know, the Sanders and AOC supporters, they they're probably just as angry too at the failed politicians. So I think 
distance is key. You should keep distance from these people. Uh, in this respect, democracy is a is a bad thing because because you know and I think it's a bad thing for internal friendships and social relations because um, democracy gives uh, whether it's the illusion of democracy or actual democracy in both circumstances you have more things to fight over. Um, um, so like I I think that one of the benefits of of a of a and Thaddeus Russell's talk about this the freedom of slavery to speak and in a sense in authoritarian society is a slave society. Um, if you don't have like like if like I doubt you don't see Twitter wars in Dubai over who should be the next um, crown prince. Now they could happen at hotels. Uh, in 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 so far you've uh, Tim Dillon covered this hilarious the night of the beatings and no, this is Saudi Arabia. But that's a very different form. That's that's actual political power being bantered about, not like whether you voted for this or that guy. So that'd be my concluding remarks. With an, I mean, voting, yeah, maybe, maybe not. What I would say, though, in some respects of identification is, uh, at least with the, the, the recent death of uh, Queen Elizabeth II, um, there seems to be much more great personal devotion to a monarch than there was to uh, any politician. I, you could not imagine any politician having that level of um, interest in their death. Uh, and if they did, they would probably be quite pleased at it rather than very upset. Uh, although, to what extent the Queen is just really another media personality is another question there. Um, one thing I would say, though, when it comes to voting is the people who are over. Um, uh, what's the best way of describing um, oversensitive is the type of person who will just spend ages researching the position of people and go, oh, yeah, I'm really clued up. You know, this is the right candidate for this, 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 this and this, this reason. I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to make any difference or it's going to make very little difference that actually your effort you put in to decide who to vote for was way too much. So for those sort of sensitive individuals, I think you should say no, maybe a little of a rational ignorance in certain circumstances, get a general gist, because frankly, it's not going to make much difference in, in this respect. And there's some vague Hayekians will make this argument is that like voting, the, the primary feature of voting could be that it's just a random number generator for uh, elected officials. So, again, if you can start with premise one, anarchism, all governments and all government officials are criminals. OK, blah, blah, blah. But, but since we have a government, we may as well just have them elected by random number generators. And, and functionality voting, in a sense, if it works somewhat like the the the, the proponents claim it is, it could be that voting is just a. You know, rather than having a hereditary system, it's just sort of a random recycling thing, which actually gives you you eventually get half decent people or maybe not. Maybe the worst always get on top um, and we should just root for monarchy. But again, it's interesting that people like the monarchy, but the monarchy is also powerless in formal sense, whether underseas, maybe undercurrents. That's I, I, I interrupt again. Sorry about that. Swift, well, no, I mean, that's 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 a topic in and of itself. Um, but yes, whether random number generators are better um, is another question. Uh, Sean Gabb suggested uh, relatively recently that, you know, you should just get people drawn by lot and uh, every like six months and you have to stand and, and opera parliament or something like that or it was a year and then you'd, you'd leave and then someone else would come in. Um, so, I mean, that that, that is interesting. Um, but um, yes, uh, voting. Might be okay in certain. I think probably more justifiable in referendum that might make more difference. I mean, it, 
at least when I mentioned um, Brexit, at least it stopped the permanent bureaucracy from doing anything else bad. I mean, it was a nice big break for a couple of years to stop them doing anything worse because they're all invested in trying to keep us in the EU. Um, so in spoilage thing is quite good. But as I said, it's putting the break on. Uh, I'd now just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryingthebitishow at gmail.com. That's mindcryingthebitishow at gmail.com.